1: time for the rutherford report
0: on 101
1: espn
0: anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey here we go
1: with tanner hendrickson i'm alex ferrario it is bk and ferrario here on 101 espn and the man himself the man the myth the legend the athletic blues insider Jeremy Rutherford, he is back in action. Although, of course, uh, he was still in action during that time off. But now you're officially back in action.
0: No, it's good, yeah, it's good to be back, uh, writing on a regular basis and going to practice. That felt weird. Just got back from Centene, watching the, the line combinations and uh, the guys who just got signed today. We'll talk about that. Robert Bortuzzo, uh, Logan Brown out there. Jordan Kyrou, the fastest man in the world, was on the ice today. So uh, yeah, fun to was be out there. Was there like a blur out there? I couldn't even Did you see, see the flames wow. coming off of the skate a <laughs> <laughs> little bit. Connor McDavid. <laughs> Yeah. right now in the NHL. I heard a story that uh, I guess some guys were skating yesterday you know they're trying to get back into the, the swing of things and Robert Thomas, uh, you know Jordan Cairo, David Perron were out there and, and they were of course you expect this when you get back from Vegas and you're the fastest skater but they were ribbing them saying come on show us show us show us. Well then a few players like created a wall and got in front of them <laughs> and blocked them and then Perron skated across the finish line and, and said hey I won I there won.
1: You go. So now <laughs> he's officially beaten the fastest skater on the ice. Let's start there though, JR. I mean, what a uh, what a showcase for Jordan Cairo in that weekend. And we talked about it yesterday and I don't know if he'll ever get to the superstar status, but you definitely are starting to trend in that direction when you think about one, he's a point per game player for the blues two, he sets a record for most points or ties most points at the winter classic. Then he wins the fastest skater competition, which it's not just he beat Connor McDavid. He beat Kale McCarr. He beat Dylan Larkin. He beat Adrian Kempe. A lot of fast skaters. And then on top of it, he scores five points in two all-star games. Like, All of these things are just continuing to put
0: Jordan Cairo on the map. Yeah, that's the thing, Alex, and and that's what I was thinking about as he won that fastest skater competition. You know, you got your phone, and you can tweet, hey, he won the fastest skater, but, you know, what does this mean? And and I I remember sitting there, you know, with my phone in my hand, and I thought, you know, big picture. Look what this guy's done this year. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing, team leading 17 goals, 42 points, okay— Amazing! Like he has taken that step, and then all of a sudden, you know, four points at the Winter Classic, he's the star. Everybody's talking about him, and then to to beat the McCarr, to beat the uh, Connor McDavid. You know, I did a story last week on Jordan Kyrou where I talked to the Blue Skating coach, uh, John Stanbrook, and he's texting me right after Kyrou wins, and he's like, "Oh baby, you know, he's he's going nuts," and he's he's got pictures. You know, he he records the fastest skater. He's got still frames, and he's sending me these pictures. On my text and he's saying look at that stride look at that separation you know that he has here and, and that's what he kind of pointed out in the article last week that makes Jordan Kyrou along with his you know God-given talent uh, so fast and so it has been an unbelievable year for Kyrou Cairo. Jordan Kyrou's parents couldn't have drawn it up like this
1: I mean it, it's just it was so much fun to watch that moment because I mean as long as I've been a Blues fan and you've been covering the team longer I've never seen somebody that fast in the blues organization to, to have that speed into being talked about as the fastest skater in the national hockey league. And, you know, we talked yesterday of this guy being the potential one that looks at an extension, this off season, Doug Armstrong with him being an RFA after next year, Thomas being an RFA after next year, he's got a lot of big tasks in the next couple of seasons with this blues team. But then we find the news earlier today, Robert Bortuzzo getting the 2-year contract extension, Logan Brown getting the 1-year one-way contract extension. I know people will look at it and be like, "Well, what do these matter?" But this is kind of the this is the checklist stuff that Doug Armstrong can mark off and say, "Okay, we got these guys under contract." Like Logan Brown now next year is one of 10 guys under contract with one-way deals as a forward for the Blues. Now Robert Portuzo, where you got four guys under contract at the defensive side. So this makes the most sense, and you at least cross these off if you're Doug Armstrong.
0: Yeah, this this is kind of homework stuff for Doug Armstrong. And these are, you know, with Robert Bortuzzo, I tweeted at Alex. You know, I said, I like this signing. You know, uh, I, I realize maybe some people look at Bortuzzo. They turn the game on at 7 o'clock and see that he's a 6th, 7th defenseman. Uh, but this is a guy who gives it everything on the ice. and then you hate to say more importantly, you know, because on ice matters, but in the locker room, you know, with the team, he is such a chemistry guy. And so to me, it makes sense. And look, you know, in a year, two years, he could be your seventh guy. And that's still not a bad price. Like a Carl
1: Gunnarsson. Yeah. If
0: he's in and out of the lineup. Uh, And then with Logan Brown, to me, the biggest thing is the salary cap. You know, is it going to be 81.5? Does it go up a million, you know, to 82.5? You're, you're a team that's up against the cap. You got a lot of questions coming up, like with David Perron and, you know, what's going to happen with Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, so on and so forth. And in the meantime, you got a guy who can play in the NHL for 750000 on a one-way. You know, he, he's got some work to do, Logan Brown, but... Yeah, I think that he deserves the one way. And I think that he can be a decent player for you in that bottom six. What's interesting
1: about that signing too. And T-Bone and I talked about this. I mean, we've heard Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby say about Brown this season that he's not a fourth line player. Like we're, if he's going to play, he's going to play in our top nine, which is why we haven't seen him play in these last few games to sign him to a one-year, one-way contract. One, it provides protection to where, you know, if you do trade Vladimir Tarasenko, or if you can't bring Perron back, you have this player but it does create some interesting speculation of what are these forward groups look like next season? Because David Perron is an unrestricted free agent. And if Logan Brown's here and they expect him to be a top nine forward, does he make Perron expendable?
0: Yeah, to me, uh, it's it's a little bit different classification. And I know what you're saying, but I think, uh, you know, the Tarasenko thing is going to play itself out. Right. And do they bring Perron back? You know, I think that's very possible, Alex. I, I think that. You know, in writing that story a few weeks ago about Perron's situation, I think he'd come back at a very reasonable yeah. deal. And so, you know, Logan Brown. In the meantime, he's a guy. Look, Tyler Bozak probably you know won't be back potentially. I, I realize he's a fourth line guy, and they've said that Logan Brown isn't a fourth line guy, but they'll find they'll find room for him. It's just you're going to need guys like that, and you're going to need relatively inexpensive contracts to put this team together. And Doug Armstrong, as we've seen him do before, he's just kind of putting the pieces together right now. And, you know, you know, why sign Robert Bortuzzo on a Tuesday in February? Because you can get this done, and then now that's going to allow you to, to know what you have moving forward. I
1: think what's interesting, too, is Bortuzzo signs that, and, and Scotty Upshaw was the one that tweeted out, uh, basically saying today, like, he would have gotten more money on the open market. He said, if you don't believe me, go ask the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs if they need a guy like that. And he probably would have got more than $950,000 a year with, with somebody other than the Blues. But that ties into David Perron because Perron might not be getting $4 million like he did. He probably could get it on the open market, but Doug Armstrong has got a track record of of getting guys to reasonable contracts like the Colton Pareko, the Justin Falks, the Tory Krugs. Which keeps this core intact, whereas you compare it to other teams where they have to overpay for people and they put themselves into a bind.
0: Yeah, and I think with David Perron, look, he's coming off the four times four, so he's making four million, and now he's going to be in his mid thirties. Look, that first year of a new deal, you know, if it were here in St. Louis, he's going to be uh, mid thirties. So I think it's a situation where he knows that. You look at the lines today, third line, whatever you want to call him, first, second, third, doesn't really matter. But David Perron. Knows that Jordan Cairo and the Robert Thomases and these guys are stepping up. Look, if anybody knows it, it's David Prahn, right? right? Remember when he did it, nineteen years old, and all <laughs> of a sudden you start talking about some of those veterans are going to be pushed out because uh, of the skill level. Keith of, Kachuk sliding down yeah, a couple lines because of a Piran, a Oshi, a mm-hmm. Berglund, so on and so forth, and and so he gets it. Uh, you know, if 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 you believe, you know, David Prom wants to stay in St. Louis and and I think he does, you know, you're probably looking if they can work it out a couple year deal at, at a decent salary. And and to me, look, if you can have David Brown on your third line, I think he still has enough to be able to contribute in that area.
1: He's Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. He's with us here in studio uh, talking a little blues hockey. And uh, I have never made a crazy bold prediction on the radio at all jr decided to go back and look at some of his crazy bold predictions from the beginning of the season so we're going to get into those coming up next we will not discuss Hall and oats t-bone so don't I mean, even bring, it, was, up. bring it up it's bk and ferrario here on 101 espn we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn to think that myself and BK, you know, we make predictions, but they're usually generally mild temperature, and sometimes they're spot on. Right, T-Bone? Uh, Your bold prediction was Jordan Kyra is going to be better than Vladimir Tarasenko. I haven't seen that pan out yet. Nailed it. <laughs> just because he's faster than Tarasenko doesn't mean he's better than Tarasenko. Paul oats. I got Better than Vladimir. I got the, uh, got the well, I got the oats part down. I just Got the whole part down. <laughs> anyway, we got Jeremy Rutherford yeah, of The Athletic in studio with us. And I bring up the bold predictions because that's JR's most recent piece on The Athletic. And if you don't subscribe, you need to subscribe, not just for Blues content, but for Cardinals content as well. Phenomenal stuff from Jeremy Rutherford and Katie Wu. But JR went back on the 10 bold predictions that you had in preseason. And I got to say, JR, I was pretty impressed because a lot of those bold predictions panned
0: out. Well, 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 you start out with uh, Jake Neighbors is going to stay for the whole season. Oh, you were close. One. You were close. You were very you have close. Like a, what's the opposite of a ding button? You got something oh, <laughs> Yeah, there. I got the right <laughs> Here we go. got yeah. plenty of those. Yeah, there you go. Hear those all the time. Yeah, so, no, that looked like, right? Remember? It yeah. looked promising. Hey, I
1: thought he was going to be here. I told BK that it'd be crazy to move him on because everyone loved
0: having Jake Neighbors around. Yeah, so out of all of them, I kind of thought that I was going to get that one right, but uh, but we didn't. But yeah, just to go over a few of these, Vladimir Tarasenko will play the whole season. I just felt at the start of the year when I wrote that article, guys, that uh, if it, if he was still there at that point, it was probably going to be something that's done next offseason. so yeah. it didn't seem like going out on a limb to say that Tarasenko uh, was going to be here. But you look at the season he's had; I don't think anybody could have could have pictured that. Forty points—he's been really good. Clem Costin will struggle to find his footing. You know, I wrote in the story here that that remember, was the big one. I remember sitting in the press box in Arizona uh, in October, and he scores two goals within like four minutes. <laughs> that like, was oh. the second game of the season, too, his wasn't first. it? His first, his game first game of the season. And remember, they scored like five yeah. goals in two minutes, or whatever. And so I think, uh, well, I'm going to get that. <laughs> that one's wrong, but he hasn't scored since. And listen, that's not a knock on him. He's playing nine and a half minutes a game on the, you know, fourth line. Mm-hmm. He leads the team in hits. It's just I think he's still trying to to, to find it a little bit. The Blues will have six twenty 20-goal scorers, Alex. Uh, I think they're on pace for seven right now. You're spot on with that one. Yeah, so, well, and a lot of people were talking about that at the beginning of the season. Here's one I thought was interesting. The Blues won't fight that much. Now, listen, last year they had 16 fighting majors in 56 games This year just 7. And so that yeah. projects out to 13, but in an 82 game schedule, you know, I don't think this is alarming uh to anybody. But the one thing I noted that is if you take out the um uh, the Kadri hit on Falk last year, yeah. there were two re- retaliation Shen fights Shen and Falk with them. Shen and Falk just for that. So yeah. two of the seven fights are basically
1: And there's only been like oh, three guys I think that have gotten into fights this season, right? Shen, Falk and Bortuzo, or my Oh, Joshua would be the other one.
0: Yeah, you got Joshua with two, Shen with two, Bortuzo with two and Falk with one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, goes to show you the toughness style of this team. You know, the Coston one was really interesting, and and I think that one was just understanding what his role was going to be. And other than that, I, I mean, you know, the six twenty goal scores is impressive. That goes to the depth of this team. But then you went into the bold predictions for the second half, Jr. And this is where I wanted to get to because there were a couple that really stuck out to me. And Tanner and I were talking about these, and the first one was Robert Thomas. You have the projection that Robert Thomas could get to sixty assists this season. And you, at the beginning of the year, basically said, boy, it wouldn't surprise me if this guy gets to 50 assists. And then he goes on his rampant tear and starts tearing it up with Jordan Cairo and looks like the second portion of Hall and Oates on the ice. But then on top of that, you also have the ability that those two have created offensively, and I don't think it's that bold to think 60 assists for Robert Thomas, but man, what does that do to this team if you get a 60 assist player on it?
0: Yeah, and we noticed in practice today, coming out of the break anyway, uh, Craig Brewery really likes that line, Yeah, and who can blame him with Cairo and Thomas and Tarasenko. They were back together again today, so you probably see that Thursday against uh, New Jersey. But yeah, Robert Thomas, I was watching in the preseason, and I remember tweeting, that I th- I'm going to pencil this guy in for 50 assists. You know, some people said, wow, you know, I don't know that many. Well, he's on pace for Fifty-five, and so I said, "Why not stretch it out? Let's yeah.
1: let's go to 60. That's what we do here on BK and Ferrari. We like to stretch out our predictions.
0: <laughs> but I, I like giving some context to this, and and yeah. it sounds like you read the story, unless you're bluffing me here. But uh, I'm always bluffing. I'm great <laughs> but, at poker. But, but so I went back year by year, and you know, you know, nobody got it, you know. 60 plus assists in 2006, seven, eight, nine, t- But you got to do the homework. And so you go back year by year uh-huh. to see when's the last time somebody had 60 plus assists. Alex, you got to go all the way back to 93, 94. Craig Jam. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Adam Oates. <laughs> Damn. God, 68 that's close enough. eight
1: assists. So wow.
0: You know, he needs to pick up the pace a, a little bit because mm-hmm. he's projected 55. You know, to get to 60, but uh, that'd be pretty pretty unbelievable.
1: T Bone and I were talking. We had a text that came in yesterday that mentioned this. Someone made the comp of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. Could they? Could their potential meet what Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were for the Chicago Blackhawks? Kane is the tough one because I mean that that's a tough stretch for Jordan Cairo. and the only. Part with Robert Thomas is the goal scoring because Taves was such a goal scorer as much as he was a playmaker. But it, is it too far fetched to look at those two and say I don't know if they could get to that?
0: Yeah, I think it is, and and I really really like these one? players. I do. I like Cairo. I like Thomas. But here's the situation: you know, Patrick Kane's a number one overall pick, right? Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taves would he go three? Yeah, yeah. So he's three. You're talking about two, you know, top three picks, and you're not just picked there because of, you can play hockey. You're picked there because of leadership, your pedigree, you know, what you've done. You know, nothing against Robert Thomas, but what is he, uh twenty twenty-one in the first round? Uh Cairo, Second round second round mm-hmm. pick. And and that doesn't matter. Once you put the uniform on and put the work in, that doesn't matter. But you are talking about one in Kane, one of the premier players in the history of the league. Taves, too, but with Taves, I think you add the leadership aspect, and maybe Kyru and Thomas get to that point. Look, they put an A on Thomas for a reason. You know, maybe we could see that in a few years, but, I mean, you are talking foundations of Stanley Cups with uh, canon tapes.
1: No, I don't want to sell the farm here because you need to go check out the article on the athletic that Jeremy Rutherford put out. But the other one that really stood out to me, Jr was your bold prediction of the blues, adding a defenseman. And you picked Zdeno Chara. We've heard so many guys in the rumors of Jacob Chikrin and Ben Sherratt and Chara in Mayfield. I've brought up the name Ryan Graves, which apparently I am obsessed with. It's, he's my new <laughs> Alexiak, I guess in this
0: circumstance, but why the Ochara, Jr.? Well, here's the thing, and, and I just want to give some context to the article. This isn't what I think is going to happen, or nor is this something that I'm reporting that's going to happen. It's just being bold. You sit down, the cursor's blinking in front of you with the laptop, and you say, hey, be bold. Okay, well, everybody's talking about Chikrin, Sherat, uh, all these guys, and—, and Zidane Chara bringing him in isn't bold. That's not bold on Doug Armstrong's part to bring him in. You know, I think people would look at that and say, wow, it doesn't really impress me. Right. Uh, but you're you're just trying to say, okay, what if this happens? You know, that would be something. So anyway, it's nothing that I'm saying is going to happen, but I think it makes sense from a couple perspectives. One is it's going to have to be dollar in, dollar out, right? Uh, Chara, 750000 The Islanders don't look like they're going anywhere. So you're not... Have- going to have to pay a lot, move a lot off the roster, and at the same time, uh, you're not going to have to give up the assets yeah. that you are. So you're definitely not getting the type of player in a Chikrin or, or Sherrod or those type of players, but you know, what if Char could come in and play 15, 16, 17 minutes a night for you in PK, and 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 who knows whether that's top line with Pareko or, or third line, who knows, yeah. but it was just an idea.
1: And what would be interesting with that is, in look, Char is not fast. And this team plays fast. So we got something in common. You know? Well, that's also very true. But what I would be curious about is 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 the pedigree of bringing in a Zidane Chara and a Mark Giordano compared to bringing in a Jacob Chikrin or a Ben Sherratt. And the only reason I say that is... Look how long it took for Justin Falk to get acclimated to this roster. Look how long it took Tory Krug to get acclimated to this roster. It's not easy to bring somebody in via trade deadline and then jump in and fit right in unless they're a guy who's been around for a while. Like yeah. Marco Scandelli, he'd been in the league for plenty of time. He knew what his role was. I'd be worried about trading as many assets as you need to, to get a Jacob Chikrin and try and get him accustomed to this locker room where he has been the main guy in Arizona. Ben Chirot's been the main guy with Montreal. I'd be worried about that where Chara knows what his role is or a Mark Giordano knows what his role is they come in, they don't miss a beat, and they jump right into the mentality.
0: Right, and that's why a lot of those hockey trades are made in the offseason. For example, if Tarasenko gets moved, you would think that it would be in the offseason. You know, you can bring a guy in. Funk was in the offseason, too. Yeah, he can get a custom. Like, if you're looking at a uh, Sherratt or you're looking at a uh, Giordano, you know, that's a likely a rental situation. You know, Chikrin's got term on his contract. So if you're making a trade, yeah, Doug Armstrong wants to help his team this year, but he's also looking big picture. Chikrin's a guy that we can— Pencil in on that left side for a few years. You know, I, maybe you get an extension with a guy like Sherrod. I don't know, but I don't think that's the intention when you're bringing in one of those rental guys.
1: Someone joked on uh, Aria Comfort Service text on at 65780. JR taking a fire hose to Alex's statements. Does that <laughs> surprise anybody? Kane Taves, Thomas Cairo. Of course I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> maybe we should. Hold back on maybe I should stay away from comps. bold predictions with this one. JR, I appreciate you coming in oh, studio, anytime. man. Thank you so much. And uh I guess I'll see you at the uh, rink on Thursday. Yeah, Blues but, and Devils. Yeah,
0: no, it should be fun to see a game again. And thanks to Mike Ryder for babysitting my yeah, kids. Mike Ryder. There. actually they're waving the
1: white flag and they're saying SOS <laughs> help me on a piece of paper. So you need to go get him out of Mary poppins's uh studio with Mike Ryder. He's Jeremy Rutherford on the Athletic. Check him out on Twitter at JP Rutherford. We'll take a break. We'll come back and get into the junk drawer next year on one oh one ESPN.